What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 13 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019 NFL regular season and postseason. We're getting off to a little bit of a late start this morning. It's already quarter after 10 locally here in sunny, beautiful Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, but it's okay. We're under a little bit of pressure with our timelines, but I'm always going to take the time to stop and give myself the old proverbial pat on the back and no, that's not an innuendo for something else. Get your minds out of the gutter. But we had a real successful week back in week 12 and weeks like this have been few and far between this season. Got the job done straight up, went 10 and 4. Anytime you hit double digits, you've had a good week, especially when there's only 14 games on the schedule. So 10 and 4 in week 12, that has us 108 and 67 with the one tie so far this season. But where I'm really, really excited is against the spread and over under. Over 500 in both cases, and in both cases, an identical 8-6 and six record from the games back in Week 12. And if we go back and look, that is the first time that that has happened since uh, way back in Week 9. So all the way back in Week 9 since I've had a week where I've been over 500 both against the spread and over under. So we feel really, really good about that. Against the spread, we're still 12 games under 500 at 81, 93, and 2. The total's now one game over 500 at 87, 86, and 3. Had a solid performance across the board. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks as well. 4-0 straight up which is real good because, again, I've kind of struggled, especially on the lower end picks, even straight up. My bronze pick is now only 5-7 and seven on the year, but went 4-0 and oh in Week 12, had the Patriots beating Dallas in that ugly, ugly game, had Seattle beating Philly, Tennessee beating Jacksonville, and Buffalo beating Denver. Also got the job done there against the spread where I went 3-1. and one. The only one that I missed was the Patriots got half-pointed in my platinum pick. I had them minus six and a half they only won the game or sorry they got more than half pointed my you see it's, it's it's still early enough that my math is terrible they only won that game by four so they didn't cover minus six and a half but seattle covered plus a point and a half tennessee covered minus three and buffalo covered minus four and it went even money on the totals we got under 46 points in the patriots and the cowboys and we also got under 37 and a half points in buffalo and denver in the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick em pools, we're moving in the right direction here, especially in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, where I've now pulled myself up into 7th place all alone out of the 37 people in that pool. 945 out of 1,384 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 68%, and it's getting ever, ever closer to that top tier, that 70%, which is what we're really looking for. Brought in 92 out of 105 possible confidence points in week 12. Only lost an average of about three points per game on my confidence points, which is a pretty darn good clip to have across a full week. That's a clip of 88%. Was not good enough to win the week. It was very close, however. Shout out to Trubisky for MVP, who went 11-3 and in week 12 and brought in just three more confidence points than I did, 95 out of 105. That is a clip of exactly 90% and was good enough for Trubisky for MVP 
to win week 12. Justin V remains the overall leader, but coming right down to the wire in last night's game, it was a tie between Justin V and, oh gosh, now I can't remember who the other person was. Oh, um, shit out of luck. They were right there. They were tied in record and confidence points. The only difference was shit out of luck took the Rams last night and uh, oh boy. So Justin V still remains the overall leader. 111 and 64 with the one tie. 981 out of 1384 possible confidence points for a championship clip of 71%. In the YouTube progs pool, I'm still in a tie for 13th place out of the 36 people making picks in that pool. My 108 straight up wins in the 176 games played so far in the NFL. That is a clip of 61%. It's getting closer. We obviously want it to be quite a bit higher. I did bring in 10 of the 14 games correctly last week. That's a clip of 71%. That's a pretty decent week. We had three teams co-win week 12 with 11 and 3 records. 11 and 3 is a clip of 79% and was good enough for three teams to tie for the week 12 victory. Bubsy's Picks has now opened up, I believe, a four-game lead atop this pool with their 118 straight-up wins on the season. So I'm a full 10 games behind them. I got a ton of work to do here with a very little bit left in this regular season, but their 118 straight up wins out of 176 games has a clip of 67%, and it's good enough to lead the pool. So shout out to Trubisky for MVP and the three teams who tied at 11-3 and three for winning Week 12, and Justin V and Bubsy's picks for being our overall leaders. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner now to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in Week 12 action. A very solid 6-2, and two, really keeping that stride, keeping that momentum, heading towards the fantasy playoffs. And speaking of the fantasy playoffs, I am now locked into the playoffs in five of my eight leagues. The other leagues are still close enough, even at the top, that, I mean, in most of them, no one has secured their playoff spot yet. It'll all come down to what happens in week 13. But I'm no lower than fourth place, which is a playoff spot in every single league. Two of those six wins from last week came in the two most important leagues, the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, as well as the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. In the Professionals, I picked up the win over Tony Cormier, good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine. That moves me to 10-2 and two on the season, all alone in first place. But my Week 13 matchup against Watson Watsoff, which is Conrad, an Australian friend of mine, that is the matchup for first place. The winner of that matchup will take first place in the pool. If Conrad beats me, he's going to get me on points. I have to beat him in order to keep first place. In the NFL YouTube prognosticators pool, picked up a Monday night win over Geo Knows Fantasy. Thank you, Lamar Jackson. 11-1 and one on the season now in that pool. Has me all alone in first place. However, again, similar situation. I have to win in week 13 if I want to keep that first place. And in that pool, first place means a first round bye. Very important. Got a week 13 matchup against Chalupa Batman. I'm projected to win that matchup, whereas I am actually projected to lose against Conrad this week. So, Tony and Gio, thank you so much for the matchups in Week 12. And the all-important Week 13, Conrad, Chalupa, let's do it. 
And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts just like this one, you are going to be able to find all of my results from week 12, all of my straight up against the spread and over under picks for week 13 in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators, pick'em pools where it is never too late to put your picks head-to-head against mine and the absolute best of this community. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page where we talk football all week long. Excellent little community. Join up today. And you're going to find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Don't act like you're not sitting there with maybe two or three people on your Christmas list that you have absolutely no idea what to buy for them. Why not a curated specific gift that shows you care from nerdtees.ca? Dozens and dozens of fantastic tea blends available to you on nerdtees.ca. And you can even use my promo code BWFINEST, which is going to save you 15% at checkout. And if you live in the Great White North, just like I do, you're going to get free shipping on any order over 75 bucks. Now, today's blend is cookie dough, a nice dessert type tea. Fantastic. Smells incredible. Smells exactly like I can never get over it. Just exactly how accurate these teas smell, which of course contributes to how they taste. It's a wonderful, wonderful product just across the board. Ruby is tremendous. Nerd Tees, it's the place to find your Christmas gifts, even your last minute ones. Nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. Get your free shipping in Canada. If you're in the U.S., a couple clicks of a button, everything's in U.S. dollars for you. Find yourself something to love with that promo code BWFINEST or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on Nerdtees.ca. I've integrated something a little bit different into how I cap these games this week. We'll see what kind of success it brings me. Let's begin our full 16-game schedule, which is what we've got from here on out. We're going to start this week in Detroit, division matchup of the NFC North on Thursday Night Football. Lions playing host to the Chicago Bears. Lions dropped a three-point decision last week in Washington against the lowly Redskins, that being Washington's just their second win on the season. Detroit now losers of four straight games. Chicago picked up the win last week. They now moved to five and six on the season. They got that victory, uh, you know, a tight game, obviously, but they picked up the win last week, 19 to 14 at home against the Giants. Neither one of these teams in particular are playing for playoff aspirations, even though like at five and six, I guess technically the Bears aren't out of it, but they're basically at the point where they have to win out. Detroit has not won in the division yet this season. They are at 0-3, whereas Chicago, to their credit, they've won two of their three division games. I believe at least one of them was against Minnesota. The Bears struggling mightily on the offensive side of the football lately, only averaging about 15 points a game over their last four. They've only put up 20 or more points one time in that span and having another game where they only put up a single touchdown. The defense is still going. The defense is still humming along perfectly fine, but they're playing an opponent 
this week in Detroit that's giving up 26 points a game over their last four. They've given up 30 a couple of times. This is a porous defense. It is something that Chicago may be able to take advantage of, especially if they've got their full complement of weapons, although I'll be interested to see just how effective David Montgomery is this week. Of note, the Bears have won and covered three straight head-to-head matchups, obviously division opponents. They know each other very well. Not a ton for either one of these teams to play for, like we mentioned. I'm going to take the Bears here because I do just objectively think the Bears are the better football team, top to bottom. So let's take the Chicago Bears, even though the game is in Detroit. Let's take the Bears to beat the Lions. On the line, Detroit's a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. Uh, It's a win for Chicago, I think, and it's a relatively small price to pay for the Bears. So I think we're going to lay those points and we're going to go Chicago minus the two and a half. Total in the game set at 39 points. I think this is pretty darn close to a perfect total. This is right around where I expect it to be. The two teams are only combined to hit 10 overs this season between the two of them. So... I think I got to lean on the under here because, I mean, look, Chicago could pull out a defensive gem and Detroit is missing so many weapons on the offensive side. I think we're going to lean under on this one. We're going to go under 39 points in Chicago, Detroit. Let's go Bears 20, Lions 17. Let's go to Dallas now where apparently there seems to be a referendum on the Dallas Cowboys this season after last week's game, which we'll talk about it. Dallas gets to come home, but they're playing host to a Buffalo Bills team that certainly is no easy out this season. Buffalo sitting with eight wins. Gotta believe this is a slightly more important game for the Dallas Cowboys than it is for Buffalo. Dallas sitting at six and five. Philly is still only one game behind them at five and six. And as the weeks go on, it becomes more and more apparent that there will not be a second team in the NFC East that makes the playoffs. So if you want to make the playoffs, you got to win that division. And Dallas only one game up. This is a game that Dallas might not be able to afford to lose when we talk about Philadelphia and who they're playing this week. For the Bills, even if they lose this game, they're probably still at least a game up in the AFC wildcard, and that's for the AFC wildcard one, much less the wildcard two. So I think Buffalo's got to feel like they're playing at least with a little bit of house money here. But at the same time, momentum is a very fickle thing. You don't want to start giving it away before the end of the season. Bills have won two straight games and have a better record against NFC opponents than Dallas does against AFC opponents. Buffalo has beaten two of their three NFC foes this year. But just for a second, let's let's talk about this whole Jerry Jones Dallas thing. Like this was this was ridiculous. This is just proof to me that Jerry Jones remains one of the biggest scumbags in sports. He takes that opportunity in that game with that weather. And people are saying, well, you can't use weather as an excuse. Well, you can if the team is not used to playing in weather like that, which the Dallas Cowboys very much are not. Like, look, they play in a game like that. The weather conditions were terrible. If those same weather conditions existed in Dallas, old Jerry can just close the roof to Jerry World and then wouldn't you know who won the pony, you're not dealing with it. But when you deal with something that you're not used to dealing with, like, look, let let me put it to you this way. Okay, you have a part-time job, right? You usually work like a four-hour shift, a five-hour shift, maybe a six-hour shift. Then all of a sudden, right smack dab in the middle of your schedule, you have a nine-hour shift. How do you think you're going to feel at the end of that nine-hour shift? You're probably going to feel pretty beaten up, probably going to feel like you didn't do your job to the best of your abilities. And I'm sure that's how the Dallas Cowboys and Jason Garrett 
feel after that game. So for Jerry Jones to be the asshole that he is and decide to take that opportunity to say, well, you know, the coach needs to be better and maybe we need to fire the coach and uh, the coaching and rah, rah, rah. Like when you're just an old white guy that's sitting up in way, 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 way up, way away from the field, not having to do that job, it was opportunism at the worst possible time for you to sound like you have any credibility whatsoever. Jerry Jones, as I just said, is an asshole, but he's a successful asshole, so there is that. So, I mean, I certainly don't think a four-point loss on the road in New England against the Patriots is any reason to have this giant referendum on the Dallas Cowboys. And again, had Amari Cooper caught that pass late in the game, we may be having a different conversation today. But... I certainly don't think that loss means that the Dallas Cowboys are, you know, dead in the water or they should fire the coach or any any of these crazy talking points that came out of that game. I do, however, think the Dallas Cowboys lose this week. I am a big fan of that Buffalo Bills defense and they are on fire right now. They had two matchups in the last four weeks where they allowed fewer than 10 points and they're only giving up an average of 13 over that four game span. The offense is scoring enough points and we saw a couple weeks ago that they have that 30 point ceiling. We know that the Dallas Cowboys have that 30 point ceiling, but I think this comes down to the defense. And I'm going to lean on the team with the better defense, and that to me is the Buffalo Bills. Even though the game's in Dallas, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. Clearly, very few people agree with me because on the line, the Cowboys are a seven-point favorite at home, which I vehemently disagree with, no matter which team you think is going to win this game. I'm taking Buffalo plus seven because I like the Bills to win outright, but I think this is one of those situations where you hedge your bets no matter which way you're going here because this this matchup is too tight for it there to be a seven-point spread. In my humble opinion, I think either way, you grab Buffalo plus the touchdown. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've got this game at a low 40. I don't think it hits that mid-level. So I'm going to stay under for the second game in a row. Go under 45 points in Buffalo, Dallas. We're going to go Bills 21, Cowboys 20. Let's go to Cincinnati now where the Bengals are going to play host to the New York Jets who are playing some excellent football right now on both sides of the ball. The Jets are averaging over their last four games 30 points a game and they've hit 34 points in three straight weeks and not only that the defense is also humming along too especially in the last two weeks where they've only given up a combined 20 points in two weeks neither team with much of anything to play for here i don't think the jets have aspirations of climbing up into that wild card conversation although i mean look they're only two games back of the second wild card, so stranger things could happen. I mean, Pittsburgh could completely fall off. The Colts could completely fall off. Houston, the Raiders could completely fall off. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I just don't think this Jets team right now is sitting with aspirations of making the postseason. So not a whole heck of a lot to play for here, except of course pride. Of note, the Bengals did rename Andy Dalton their starting quarterback this week. And I think that could have more of an impact on this game than some people may give it credit for, or maybe that I even gave it credit for right away because my initial reaction was like, okay, well, he never should have lost the job to begin with, but okay, so you bench him 
because you think the rookie will be better. You try that experiment for, I think, two weeks, and it proves to be uh, not very good. So now you go back to Andy Dalton. What motivation does Andy Dalton really have? But then the more that I thought about it, I was like, well, he has all the motivation in the world. All the motivation in the world to prove that that was a stupid mistake, to prove that this is still his team, to prove that he's still the guy, and to try and prove that this is not a zero-win football team. All of you know how much I love a good story. Cincinnati wins this week. I think this is the game that the Bengals just just figure it out. Again, and sometimes... There's, you can put all the analysis into things that you want. Sometimes teams just figure it out. Maybe even if it's only one week. It's not like the Jets are unbeatable on the road. I think they're one and four. So it's, I mean, th- this team is susceptible away from their own building. If Cincinnati's going to win a game the rest of the year, it might be this one. So I think the Bengals win this week. Maybe I'm going against, well, I know I'm going against the numbers. But I, I maybe I'm even going against my own brain. But um, I do love a good story. And that's what I think is going to happen this week. On the line, Bengals are three and a half point dogs at home. Obviously, since I like them to win, I'm more than happy to take those three and a half points. Total in the game is set at 41. I've only got this game at like a mid to high 30. So I don't think it even touches 40. We will stick under for our third game in a row. Go under 41 points in Cincinnati, New York. Let's go Bengals 20, Jets 17. Let's go to Indianapolis now. Hot division matchup here. Colts coming into the game on the long week. They get to host the Tennessee Titans who are playing some pretty darn good football right now. Colts came up on the short end of a 20-17 game last week in Houston. That was basically the game for the division at this point. Houston now leads the AFC South at 7-4. You've got both the Colts and the Titans at 6-5. So, I mean, this could be the game that decides who's in the driver's seat in that second wildcard spot in the AFC. Titans have not found a ton of success away from home this season, winning only two of their five games, nor have they found a lot of success within the division. They've only won one of their three games within the AFC South. Meanwhile, Colts are 4-2 and two at home and 3-1 and one in the division. Like I said, Tennessee, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has been playing pretty darn good football lately. Four straight games of at least 20 points, two straight games of at least 30. And I mean, in those last two weeks, they put up 42 and 35 points respectively. I'd like to see a little bit more from that defense. They got a couple of 30-point potatoes in there in their last few games. So I'd like to see the defense turn things around. But I mean, if Tennessee can keep winning track meets, really at this point of the year, all that matters is wins. Between these two, I just look at the Colts as the more consistent football team. And I also look at the recent history. Colts have won three straight head-to-head in this matchup. They've also won eight out of the last 10 head-to-head matchups spanning over the last five years against the Tennessee Titans. And the favorite in the matchup has covered seven of the last 10 head-to-head matchups. It's enough for me to lean on the Colts this week in their own building where they've played good football. I like Jacoby Brissett. I like the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to take Indianapolis to beat Tennessee. On the line here, Colts are two and a half point favorites at home. I like them to win. That's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay those two and a half points, take Indianapolis minus 2.5. 
Total in the game is set at 43.5 points. This is pretty well a perfect total as far as I'm concerned. The two teams are slightly over 500 on the total so far this year at 12 and 10. I don't think this thing flies over, but I am going to take my first over of the week. Go over 43.5 points in Indianapolis, Tennessee. We're going to go Colts 24, Titans 21. Also worth noting, Indy's coming into the game on the long week. Little extra rest. Let's go to New York now where the Giants are going to play host to my Green Bay Packers and Green Bay coming off of inarguably their most embarrassing loss of the year. Now granted, that was against the 49ers. So I can understand it a little bit, but at the same time, man, eight points, that's rough. Giants are playing for pride and peanuts at this point. Two and nine in the regular season. Losers of seven consecutive games. Meanwhile, look, Green Bay is in a dogfight here with Minnesota, who have won two straight games. Green Bay's got to try to stay ahead of this thing. And no real giant deep analysis here. This is a team that if Green Bay can't go into their building and beat them, them being the New York Giants, Green Bay doesn't deserve to win this division. Green Bay wouldn't even deserve to make the playoffs if they can't go into New York in any given week and beat the Giants. Obviously, I'm going to be on the Packers here to win, despite the fact that on the offensive line, right tackle Brian Balaga spraining his MCL late in that game last week. Obviously, he did not return because they were getting blown out anyway, so what does it matter? But he looks to be set to miss some time. That was per a report by Ian Rapoport, I believe, yesterday. So looks to me like Brian Balaga is going to be out multiple weeks here, which would cover this game and probably the game next week. Because look, they you do want to talk about a player like Brian Balaga in terms of him being healthy for the playoffs. That's the important thing. Green Bay also has to get there, but you want that player to be healthy for the playoffs. So if he has to sit the next two weeks... Especially if it's this week, we probably shouldn't look at this like a game that Green Bay is in danger of losing. So we can certainly sit him this week. Next week, we'll have to talk about it. But yeah, I'm certainly on the Packers uh, to win this game. A lot of people are on the Packers against the spread. However, I don't think I'm going to go that way. On the line, the Giants are six and a half point dogs at home. I think that's just too many points for me right now. You got to take into account the Brian Balaga injury. So what's Aaron Rodgers protection going to look like against an okay pass rushing team? You also got to take into consideration Packers are now on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They're coming off that embarrassing loss last week. Obviously they're upset about that. So maybe they want to use a team like the Giants and make an example out of them. I just don't really see it over the last four games with this offense in Green Bay. I just don't necessarily see them doing that. They don't really strike me as that team. Now granted, the Giants are giving up 30 points a game over their last four. Three of those last four games have been over 30 points allowed, with the top being 37. So, I mean, this is a very porous New York Giants defense. I get that. But on the offensive side, Green Bay has put up, you know, eight points last week, 11 points a couple weeks ago against the Chargers. They've been so up and down that it's just hard. It's a little harder for me to trust them right now. I don't know which Green Bay Packers team is going to show up. Given that... I'm going to take those points and take the Giants plus the six and a half. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I've got this thing capped at a high 40, probably pushing a 50. So I feel pretty good about going over here. Let's go over 45 and a half points in New York, Green Bay. We're going to go Packers 27, 
Giants 23. Let's go to Pittsburgh now. Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns. The rematch of the Miles Garrett helmet swinging incident. A uh, little maybe non-fortuitous that this happens so quickly after that original incident happened. And obviously now with everything else that's happened with Mason Rudolph getting pulled last week for old Ducky Hodges and then Ducky Hodges going and throwing the touchdown pass, winning the game for the Steelers. You got a quarterback controversy now in Pittsburgh, which obviously no one would have expected at the beginning of the season, but then the Roethlisberger thing happened. An important game for both of these teams. Pittsburgh's at 6-5. and five. Cleveland is at 5-6. and six. Neither one of these teams have had a ton of success this year. I mean, look, the Browns have won three straight games, so they've started to turn it on now after really struggling through the first half of the season. They're definitely playing better football. Steelers are 4-1 and one in their last five. You can say the same about them. They're trying to turn it on. They're trying to make the playoffs here as well. This is going to be a really interesting game. And I expect a defensive tug of war here more so than an offensive one. I mean, Cleveland offensively has been the better of the two teams lately, but that also takes into account that they just put up 41 points on Miami. So, I mean, of course, but... If you actually, if you take that game out of it, the two offenses are really, really similar and the defenses are really similar as well. In these two teams, last four games combined, they've only allowed 20 points or more in half of them. So this will be a defensive battle, two teams that know each other very well. You've got the Cleveland Browns who now do not have that impact defensive player like Miles Garrett. We go back and we talk about the whole Mason Rudolph thing. He got benched. I don't know who's going to start a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. And usually that really bothers me. I think it's going to be Ducky Hodges. And I think they may be better off just sitting Mason Rudolph with everything that happened a few weeks ago. Just sit him down. Like, he doesn't have to play in this game. He played poorly enough last week that you yanked him out of the game Give him a break. Let him sit. Let him refocus for the stretch run of the season. That's the way I would do it anyway. Obviously, I'm not Mike Tomlin, so who knows what's going to happen. But the reason I am taking the Steelers in this matchup is just based on recent history between these two teams. Obviously, they play each other at least twice a year. They know each other inside and out. The Steelers have won seven of the last nine head-to-head. That obviously goes back four years close to five and there are some bad Cleveland Browns teams in there but this Pittsburgh team knows how to beat Cleveland I expect that they will do that in their own building also worth noting that the underdog which Pittsburgh is in this matchup which I do not agree with whatsoever the underdog they're three two and one against the spread in the last six head to head so it's not a huge covering but when you expect the favorite to cover more often than not the fact that the underdog has covered three times with a push that's not bad I just full well believe this Steelers team knows how to beat this Browns team I think they do it in their own building I'm taking Pittsburgh at home to beat Cleveland on the line Pittsburgh is a single point dog at home I like them to win it's basically a pick them I'm going to take the team that I think is going to win we're going to take that single point go Pittsburgh plus one 
Total in the game set at 40 points. I've got to stay under on it. I mean, I've got it capped around a mid to high 30. So it's not a an absolute layup that this would stay under. But especially with not knowing what the quarterback situation is going to look like. Two hot defenses. I think i got to stay under on even a low number in 40. We're going to go Pittsburgh 20, Browns 17. Let's go to Jacksonville now. Jags are going to play host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks coming in on the tail end of back-to-back road games, and the Bucks were winners last week. Tampa Bay with a convincing 35-22 win in Atlanta over the Falcons. Division matchup there. Tampa Bay getting the job done. Jacksonville giving up 42 points to the Tennessee Titans, losing that game 42-20. to Granted, it was in Tennessee, but uh, Nick Foles has not looked the greatest. I mean, maybe that's unfair. He didn't look bad. He certainly hasn't looked bad really in either game. The points just haven't been there. And I understand that Jacksonville's defense has like completely caved in on itself. But, I mean, he's attempted 47 and 48 passes respectively. That's way too many when you have Leonard Fournette. You shouldn't be attempting 47 to 48 passes. I mean, maybe you're getting a lot of possessions, but like, I don't know. For whatever, Nick Foles has not been impressive to me. But you know what? Maybe that's just me grinding the axe for Minshew mania because I never thought Gardner Minshew should have lost that job. Bucks are flying high on the offensive side. 30 or more points in three of their last four games. And even the defense kind of starting to play like it's kind of maybe sort of an NFL defense, even though, I mean, they're still not great. They're still giving up over 30 points a game in their last four. So it's still not great, but it's maybe kind of a little bit better. But I certainly believe that the Bucks' defense is capable of at least holding the Jags at bay offensively just based on what the Jags have been able to do on the offensive side over the last month, which is not a whole heck of a lot. And the defense is not making up for it anymore. In the last three weeks, they've allowed 42, 33, and 26 points respectively. That defense is not getting it done. And I certainly don't think that defense gets the job done this week. I'm taking the Bucks, even though they're on the tail end of back-to-back roadies, even though they won last week. Teams that are in that situation are inexplicably over 500 this season. So I just like the Bucks here. I think the Bucks offensively is just going to be too much for the Jags to handle. Let's take Tampa on the road in Jacksonville to beat the Jags. And this is our second straight game that I don't understand why the better team is the underdog. Feels like there should be a minus in front of this number. Tampa Bay is a one-point dog in Jacksonville. Jacksonville single-point favorite at home. I feel like Tampa Bay should be the favorite in this game, or I feel like this game should be a pick I really do. So I'm going to say thank you because I feel like you're giving me the better team plus the points. So I'm going to take that Tampa Bay plus one. Total in the game set at 48.5 points. I mean, I've got this thing capped at least a mid-50, if not higher than that. So I feel pretty darn good about telling you to take the over here. Let's go over 48.5 points in Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Bucks 31, Jags 26. Let's go to Baltimore now. And this is the marquee matchup of the week. With all due respect to Houston and New England, all due respect to Seattle and Minnesota, all due respect to Kansas City and Oakland. This is the marquee matchup. This is this could be a Super Bowl preview. Like this could legit be our Super Bowl preview and we're going to get it in week 13. The Baltimore Ravens at home playing host 
to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Baltimore obviously comes into this game on the short week, having just played last night and absolutely, utterly dominated the Los Angeles Rams, made the Rams look like a bunch of sieves. San Francisco coming in, having just made the Green Bay Packers look like a group of sieves. So this is this is literally the, the irresistible force and the immovable object. I can't wait for this game. Ravens right now the undisputed hottest team in football, winners of seven consecutive games after starting the season, just an average two and two. They have turned on the Jets offensively, they have turned on the Jets defensively. This may be the most complete football team in the NFL. Oh, what did I just say? Oh, I just said it. But of course, if they're number one, San Francisco may be number two. Or like a 1B, like a 1A, 1B situation. Because, I mean, look, San Fran, winners of two in a row. They're 10-1 and on the season. They've played incredible football all season long. They're also unbeaten on the road at 5-0. and But this is legitimately the football matchup that dreams are made of. This is two of the best offenses in football over the last little while. I mean, God, Baltimore has put up 40 or more points in three straight games. And the defense is dominating as well. And the defense specifically is playing better over the last four weeks than San Francisco's is. Because sure, they only gave up eight points last week, but the three games prior to that, 26, 27, and 25. So not terrible, but also not exactly what you would expect from this fantastic defense that we've seen all season long whereas Baltimore has just been humming man six points seven points 13 points 20 points and even though they're here sporting that MVP candidate that singular MVP candidate in Lamar Jackson who absolutely is the engine that runs that whole machine it's it's the run game it's the offensive line it's the defensive line it's the secondary it's the special teams it's the coaching from top to bottom This Baltimore Ravens team is no joke. Niners are also going to come into this game short one of their offensive linemen. Right guard Mike Person suffering a stinger last week left the game. He's going to be reevaluated tomorrow. His status going into the game against Baltimore is uncertain. So the Niners may be missing a key piece because he's had a pretty darn good season on their offensive line. I don't think you can go wrong either way here. I think if you're a fan of football, this, this is the game that's going to be on your television. This might be one of the highest rated games of the season. I think I've got to go Baltimore here. And I think this is just one of those coin flips. Take the team that's at home. Take the team that's in their own building. Can kind of control conditions a little better. Even though the Niners haven't lost on the road yet this season, I think Baltimore is just undeniable to me. So I think I got to take the Ravens. Let's go Baltimore at home to beat San Francisco. On the line, the Ravens are four and a half point favorite at home, and this is a full-blown hedge. Full-blown hedge because the possibility exists for either one of these teams to come out and absolutely blow the other one out of the water. So I'm going to play it safe with this one, and I'm going to take those points. If it was less than three, I would probably take Baltimore because that's a pretty small price to pay on the team I think is going to win. But where this is four and a half points... That's, you know, well over a field goal. I think I got to take them. So we're going to take San Francisco plus four and a half. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I've got this thing capped at a low 50. I think it does make it there. So I'm pretty confident about telling you to go over 45 and a half points in Baltimore, San Francisco. Let's take Ravens 27, Niners 24, 
You're welcome, football fans. Let's go to Arizona now where the Cardinals are going to play host to the LA Rams division matchup of the NFC West. Arizona comes into the game rested off of their bye, hopefully a little bit healthier. The Rams come into this game after getting embarrassed last night on Monday Night Football by the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens, so they come in on the short week. All of a sudden, this LA Rams team that came into the season with such crazy high hopes, I mean, we were legitimately talking about the NFC West as a division that could produce three playoff teams. I think they're going to produce two, <laughs> but I don't think the LA Rams are going to be one of them. They're at six and five, obviously losers last week, only three and two over their last five. They've just kind of treaded water and they've struggled against NFC opponents. They've only beaten four of seven in the NFC and the Rams do not have a win inside this division yet. A lot of people are going to say, well, that's going to change this week. Playing a 3-7-1 Arizona team who can get some stuff done on the offensive side, about as good as the Rams, but defensively, ooh. I mean, cards can't really stop anybody, and that's held true over the last four games. They've allowed 30 points or more in three of those four games, allowing an average of 31. So even though the offense has picked it up, 26, 27, and 25 points respectively over the last three games, the offense is scoring points. But, I mean, man, that the defense is just, the defense absolutely lets them down. In talking about the LA Rams, um, I don't know what they are. I thought they were becoming that really good, almost elite defensive team because they had a trio of really solid defensive performances and then they give up 45. Granted, it was Baltimore. A lot of teams have given up 40 points to Baltimore this season. And it makes me have to rethink everything that I thought the Rams were. And now that the offense can't seem to move the ball, can't seem to put points on the board. They've gone three straight games now where they have not scored 18 points. That's a problem for a team with that many weapons. I think it starts with the quarterback, but it's certainly not limited to the quarterback. So I I have one team that I know more or less what they are. I've got another team that I have absolutely no idea. Of note, the Rams have won and covered four straight head-to-head matchups with the Cardinals, and the underdog has only covered one of the last seven head-to-head against the spread. I think you can guess which of these two teams is the underdog in this matchup. We are going to spin the wheel of destiny here. We are going to take the Arizona Cardinals at home to beat the Los Angeles Rams, to shock The Los Angeles Rams, in fact. I think this is going to be a bit of a weird week. They're going to be well-rested, coming off the bye. This may be their best shot for the rest of the season to win a game. It's a division opponent they know very well. A defense that just allowed over 40 points. I have no questions about whether or not the Arizona Cardinals can put up points on the Los Angeles Rams right now. I know they can. I don't know what the LA Rams can do offensively against anybody. And that includes a very bad defense in Arizona. So I feel like I know more about the Cardinals than I do about the Rams. And that's just the way I'm going to go with this game. Weird stuff happens in division matchups all the time. I'm taking the cards to beat the Rams. And for the record, yes, if this game was in Los Angeles, I'd be taking the Rams. On the line, cards are four-point dogs at home. I like them to win. I will take those points. Take Arizona plus four. 
Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. I mean, I've got this thing in the mid 50s, so I feel real good about telling you to go over 46 and a half in Arizona, Los Angeles. Cardinals 28, Rams 27. Cards shock them in the last two minutes. Let's go to Denver now, division matchup of the AFC West this time. The Denver Broncos playing host to the Los Angeles Chargers. Speaking of teams that I have no idea what they are, the only thing I do know is the Chargers come into this game well-rested off the bye. I'm really not sure what else to say about the Chargers that I haven't already said earlier in the season. This is a team whose record should be at least inverted from what it currently is. They're currently 4 and 7. I would not bat an eye if this team was 7 and 4. Not at all. Because they have the weapons to be 7 and 4. It seems like they can't get out of their own heads. And that's a real problem except against teams that are actually trying to win. And I don't necessarily think the Denver Broncos are trying to win at this point in the season. I think they're firmly embroiled in the tank battle. I don't think they're going to catch the teams that are below them, but a top 5 pick is still a possibility for Denver, and I think that does more good for them than a division win in week 13 of a season that they can't make the playoffs. So I really think this is the Chargers game to lose, and in saying that, uh, they could certainly do that. I don't think they will. I do think Los Angeles is going to come out and win this game, especially where the Broncos are facing an injury on the defensive side. Interior linebacker Josie Jewell, He has an ankle injury. His status for this game is uncertain. Now, the two teams have traded wins and traded covers over the last couple of years head-to-head. But in a low-scoring game, in what I think will be a low-scoring game, the under has hit four straight times head-to-head around numbers that we've got this week. In a low-scoring game, I'm going to take the team that I think has the higher upside to score points, That is the Chargers. They are well-rested. Even though the game's in Denver, let's take Los Angeles to beat Denver. On the line, Broncos are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. I like the Chargers to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay those two-and-a-half points, take the Chargers, minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 38-and-a-half points. I only have this thing at like a low 30, so like barely pushing into the 30s. So we're going to stick under on that number. We're going to go under 38 and a half points in Denver, Los Angeles. Let's go Chargers 21, Broncos 10. We're going to go to Houston now for one of the other marquee matchups of the week. The Houston Texans enjoying a long week, having played on Thursday night last week. They get to be at home. They get to play a New England Patriots team that certainly did not look very good last week. Although, of course weather playing a significant factor. Texans, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, winners last week against Indianapolis, that battle for the lead in the division. They won that game 20-17 to on their home field. Uh, the Patriots, winners of two consecutive games. They sit at 10-1. and I, They're two full games ahead of the Bills. I don't think they have to worry too much about the Bills catching them for the division. So maybe this is a game where they kind of take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I don't think that would be very Patriots-like of them. So it's not that I expect that to happen, but, you know, you never know. Both of these teams have been a little up and down lately. Like in their last four games, you have Houston relatively consistent on the offensive side, except for a couple of weeks ago where they only put up seven points and relatively consistent on the defensive side, except for a couple of weeks ago where they gave up 41. I wonder who they played that week. 
Meanwhile, that Patriots offense has kind of regressed over the last month. 27 points to 20 points to 17 points to 13 points. Now again, that that weather-related game this past week, the defense has been relatively consistent except for that one game where against you-know-who, who they gave up 37 points against. Other than that, they haven't given up 14. While I do believe that the Houston Texans may have the upside of a Baltimore Ravens offense, I don't think they have the same ceiling. Certainly don't have the same floor. So I, I just don't think you're going to see a ton of points from this Texans offense. I think the Patriots rebound defensively. I think they put up another excellent defensive performance. If the Patriots are going to win it all this year, I think it's going to be on the caliber of their defense. I think they try to show that this week. Even though the game is in Houston, I like the Patriots. Let's take New England on the road to beat the Texans. On the line, Patriots are only three-point favorites on the road. It's not too often that you get the Patriots with only having to lay three points. I like them to win, small price to pay. Let's lay those three points, take New England, minus three. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've got this right around a low 40, but just barely over a 40. So I think I got to stick under on it, under 45 points in Houston, New England. Let's take Patriots 25, Houston 16. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze for week 13 is the Seattle Seahawks at home taking on a well-rested, coming off their bye week, Minnesota Vikings. This is a matchup of two of the elite teams in the NFC. Vikings, like we mentioned, coming in off the bye. Winners of two consecutive games now in a tie with Green Bay for the NFC North lead at 8-3. Very important game for a Vikings team that has won four of their last five. Another team that has won four of their last five is the Seattle Seahawks. They've done it in four straight. Winners of four consecutive games. They're at nine and two. The NFC West is not yet out of the question, although they got, they've got to be the biggest Baltimore Ravens fans this week as the Ravens try to knock off the 49ers, put Seattle in position that maybe they could catch them for the division lead. These two teams have a combined 12 wins against other NFC opponents this season. I mean, they've only got a combined 17. 12 of them have come against the NFC. They've played very well against common opponents. Though this is a head-to-head -head matchup where I do kind of feel the need to reward consistency. And as far as I'm concerned... Both teams have been relatively consistent. I think the Vikings just a little bit more so. Basically, you're looking at a team that's scoring in the low to mid-20s every single week. You got a defense that looks like they're giving up right around the same amount. But Seattle, a little bit up and down. They had 40 points a couple weeks ago. Last week, they only had 17 they only gave up nine points last week, but two weeks ago they gave up 34. Like, I feel like Seattle is a little more up and down than are the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And again, Vikings come into the game well-rested. I do think that these two teams are essentially equal in terms of their talent level, but I think I just got to reward the Vikings' consistency a little bit more and the fact that they are going to be better rested coming off the bye. I think the Vikings win this game. They're the underdogs in the matchup. Obviously, where the game's in Seattle. If the game was in Minnesota, they'd be a favorite. But I'm going to take the Vikings here because I do think the Vikings are just that little bit more consistent. And I think we see that this week. Let's take Minnesota on the road in Seattle to beat the Seahawks. 
On the line, Seahawks are three-point favorites at home, which I fully understand. I like Minnesota to win, so I'm very happy to take those points. Let's take Minnesota plus three. Total in the game set at 49 points. I've got this thing capped at like a mid-50, maybe even pushing a high 50. So I feel really good about telling you to go over 49 points in Minnesota-Seattle. Let's go Vikings 32, Seahawks 25. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 13 in the NFL 2019. Start as always with the bronze pick. Five and seven straight up and five and seven on the over-under. Only three and nine against the spread. So let's fix that this week. Now, we did fairly well doing that last week with the bronze pick. In fact, we swept the bronze pick. So why don't we just do that again? My bronze pick for week 13 is the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in Miami taking on the Dolphins. Now, obviously, the big storyline with the Eagles is Carson Wentz. The health of Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz going to be able to play? It came out yesterday, I think Doug Peterson actually released it himself, that Carson Wentz has a bruise on his middle finger of his throwing hand. So, does that affect a quarterback's throwing motion? Absolutely it does. Does it affect his ability to move the ball? I think it will. Does it matter so much against the Miami Dolphins? I don't think so. I think this Eagles team is hungry to prove that they are a better team than they may have showed, let's say, for example, last week. This is also an Eagles team that knows that the team ahead of them in their division, the Dallas Cowboys, are in tough this week against the Buffalo Bills, a very winnable game for either one of those teams. Philadelphia cannot afford to drop this game against lowly Miami. If they do, kiss their playoff hopes goodbye, like they're done. Eagles are also going to get Lane Johnson back this week. Probably won't have... uh, uh, Jordan Howard, but they are going to get Lane Johnson back from concussion protocol. I think that's all they need. I really like the Eagles here. Let's take Philadelphia on the road in Miami to beat the Dolphins. On the line, Dolphins are nine-point dogs at home, but I think I got to lay the points on Philly. I mean, this is under double digits. I think the Eagles want to come into this football game and make a statement. And I think they do that at the expense of the poor Miami Dolphins. So I'm actually going to lay those points. It's a lot of points for the Eagles, especially with out there necessarily starting running back and maybe with a slightly limited quarterback. I still think they cover this number. Let's go the Eagles minus nine in Miami. Total in the game set at 46 points. I've got this right around a low 40, but I still think it stays under. I think we're going to go under 46 points in Philadelphia, Miami. Let's go Eagles 28, Dolphins 13. Eagles straight up. We're going to hammer the Eagles minus nine against the spread in a game that stays under 46 points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, my most successful pick of the season thus far, where I am 9-3 and three straight up, 6-6 six and six against the spread, the only one of these picks where I'm at 500 against the spread, and just under 500 on the totals at 5-7, and seven, sees the Atlanta Falcons playing host to the New Orleans Saints. Another division matchup here. Saints come into this game with significant injuries on the left side of their offensive line. In addition to their left guard, Pete, being out with a broken arm, they're also going to be missing, likely missing anyway, Taron Armstead in this game. He suffered, 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 he suffered a high ankle sprain last week. He's expected to miss this week. 
possibly next week. That's the whole left side of their offensive line. Andrus Pete not playing, Taron Armstead not playing. That could be a problem if the Falcons can start to overload that side and develop that pass rush. That being said, I'm not going to bet against Drew Brees in a basically playoff clinching game. If New Orleans wins this week, I think that actually does clinch it for them. Even if Carolina wins and they stay, you know, four games back with four games to go, with the tiebreaker, I don't think Carolina can catch New Orleans. So basically for New Orleans, this is a win and you win the division game. I don't think New Orleans wants to leave anything to chance here. New Orleans is the better football team top to bottom. And even though this is a division matchup, New Orleans can't lose a game like this. If New Orleans loses to Atlanta, their entire confidence moving forward is shot. They're all but banked on getting into the playoffs. And if they can't beat the Falcons in week 13, oh boy. No disrespect to the Falcons who are over 500 in division games this season. They played very well against this division. I just don't have them beating the Saints here. Let's take New Orleans, even though the game is in Atlanta. Saints beat the Falcons. On the line, Falcons are seven-point dogs at home, and I think I've actually got to hedge my bets here. I think i got to take Atlanta plus seven. That whole offensive line situation is really, really concerning to me. This could be a backdoor cover situation, but I really do think the Falcons cover this plus seven. I'm going to take those points, Atlanta plus the touchdown. Total in the game set at 49 points. I think this is pretty well a perfect total. This is going to be a flip of a coin for me, but I think I'm going to stay under on it. We're going to stay under 49 points in Atlanta, New Orleans. Let's take Saints 26, Falcons 22. Saints straight up. We're going to hedge our bets and take Atlanta plus 7, under 49. That's your silver pick. My gold pick, where I am a sparkling 10 and 2 straight up, but only 4 and 8 against the spread and 5 and 7 on the totals, sees the Kansas City Chiefs at home coming off their bye week, playing host to an injury concerned Oakland Raiders team on the tail end of back to back road games. And that's why this game is where it is. Obviously, well-rested Chiefs team. You got to feel pretty good about the plethora of offensive weapons that they have at their disposal. And if you look at the Raiders defensively, they were doing okay for a little while, but then giving up 34 last week to a team that I don't necessarily think you should be giving up 34 points to. You know, I just, I feel pretty not great about the Raiders and especially with the Hunter Renfro injury, which is what the concern is. Hunter Renfro suffering a pair of really bad injuries last week, a broken rib, which led to a punctured lung. And according to John Gruden, it's likely that he's going to miss the rest of 2019. And that is killer to the Raiders playoff hopes. He's a really good wide receiver 2-3 in that offense. Of note, the Chiefs have won four straight head-to-head matchups and also nine out of the last ten. Oakland has not found much success against KC over the last five years. The favorite in the matchup has also covered two consecutive times, as well as five of the last seven head-to-head against the spread. You can tell where I'm going with this one. Obviously, I'm on the Chiefs to win this game. This has to be a statement game for Kansas City, and I believe it will be. Let's take Kansas City at home to beat Oakland.
On the line, Kansas City, a favorite by full 10 points. We're into double digits, but to me it's justified given the conditions of the game, the Renfro injury, the back-to-back road games. I think Kansas City covers this number. I'm going to lay those 10 points, take the Chiefs, minus 10. Total in the game set at 51.5 points. I've got this thing at a high 50. I've got the Chiefs getting close to 40 points on their own. I think this game goes over 51.5 points in Kansas City, Oakland. Let's take the Chiefs 37, the Raiders 21. Chiefs straight up. We're going to hammer the Chiefs minus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 51.5 points. That is your gold pick. And your platinum pick, where I'm an even more sparkling 11 and 1 straight up, but only 4 and 8 against the spread and over under, sees the Carolina Panthers at home playing host to the Washington Redskins. Two teams coming in, both with injury concerns. On the Panthers, it's on the defensive side. Dontari Poe, defensive tackle tore his quad last week. He's likely to undergo season-ending surgery in the next day or two. That is a hit to the Panthers on the defensive side. And if they had any hope of making a run, trying to make a run at the Saints or making a run for probably the second wildcard spot, I think that chances of that run probably dies with this Dontari Poe injury. On Washington's side, it's Dwayne Haskins at the quarterback position. Suffered a wrist injury late in the game last week. The injury is considered minor. He is expected to play. But I mean, a wrist injury on the passing hand for a starting quarterback, he will likely be limited in this football game. And I think Washington would need to play a perfect game offensively to have any chance of winning this thing. I think Carolina has a field day on the offensive side against a really bad Redskins defense. Carolina all the way in this matchup, despite the injury issues. Let's take Carolina at home to beat the Redskins. On the line, Carolina is also favored by a full 10 points, and I'm going to lay those 10 points again I think it's justified. Redskins are a bad football team on both sides. If the quarterback is at all limited, it's going to be a long day for them. So I'm going to lay those 10 points. Take Carolina minus 10. Total in the game set at 40 and a half points. I've got this only at like a low to mid 40. So maybe it's a little more of a lean than anything else. But I think I got to lean on the over here. We're going to go over 40 and a half points in Carolina, Washington. Let's go Panthers 27. Redskins 16. Panthers straight up. We're going to hammer the Panthers minus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 40 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. Oh boy, we are UTG, as they say in the poker world, under the gun to try to get this episode out before I've got to go to work. It is time now for the patented comment of the week, but in celebration of Grey Cup 107, which just passed this past Sunday, and in celebration of my second full season of picking the Canadian Football League, now being in the books and done, my comment of the week is going to come from the CFL side. And my comment of the week is really comments of the week, because what I really want to do is I want to highlight the the rampant positivity (laughs) that came After the Grey Cup was over, the comments that just kind of came in on the video from people that don't even necessarily comment on a weekly basis, but just showing their appreciation for putting a spotlight on the Canadian Football League. 
Human Drill Bit, outstanding 2019 season. You're my number one go-to guy for CFL handicapping before I make my wagers. I look forward to seeing you again next season. Thanks again. Adam Riddo, hey Justin, great coverage, man. I really appreciate the effort you put into your show, and I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, Mr. Marcopia, first year I found your show for the CFL on week one. Very much enjoyed the season. We'll be back next year for sure. Hope you will consider doing some more shows in the off season, perhaps on some other sport events. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Nick Mac, uh, Machiavelli, Nick Machiavelli, good show. Sorry the season is over. Thanks for the plays. Stephen Embry, I live in Thailand and look forward to your analysis every week. Personally, I'm from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, like me. Enjoyed your effort to introduce guest analysts. Hope you keep expanding that effort. And look, it just so much positivity comes out of doing the CFL every year. The NFL show is always my baby. It's always, it's what started me. It's what got me to where I am on YouTube, whether for better or for worse, depending on your perspective. But where I am on YouTube, I got to because of my NFL show. But where I've come this year is due in no small part to covering the CFL and putting a spotlight on a very underserved community in the Canadian Football League. So if you watched a second of any content that I put out, obviously, thank you so much for allowing me into your life, even for a few minutes. But man, the positivity that came out of doing the Canadian Football League, doing it a service for a second straight year, can't wait to do it again next year. So the positivity around the final CFL video of the season, yours is the comments of the week for week 13. All right, folks, in the books, Editing begins now. Got to get this bad boy out before I am due at my other job, the one that I actually get paid for. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, just like is in the cup in my hand. Christmas is getting closer, folks. Get some orders in there right now before it is too late. Enjoy the games in hopefully lucky week number 13. We'll see you again for week 14 and the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. 